0: Coming straight from the cockpit. It's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Back in the can for fuck. I've been waiting for this one. This this has taken a while and a little bit of organizing, but I am super stoked because I've got a co-host that's a super rock star that people have heard before. Who are you?
2: Hey, I'm Omar Al and thank you so much for having me back.
0: Omar back in the house, but check this out. Let's just get straight to it, man. Who the fuck are you, and what do you do?
2: Well,
1: daggum. <laughs> uh, my name's Joe Jennings, and uh, I coordinate stunts, and I'm a camera flyer.
2: Joe Jennings? That's Joe Jennings. That is Joe Jennings. Dude, the dude, that's one, one and Joe only Jennings. Joe Jennings. <laughs> Holy shit
1: holy shit
0: man you have been
2: i have
1: been called joe fucking jennings before there you go
0: there you go you have been part of my skydiving career pretty much from day fucking one because i remember watching you with this massive camera helmet and this big white knobby thing coming off the front of your helmet while you were doing live air to ground in the x games
1: Oh, yeah, Fuck yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: man. Dude, you were like a role model to me and a whole bunch of other people. So I have been super stoked to get this podcast. Wow, thank you. Yeah, man. Awesome. So, uh, you know, I, well, hell, we're just going to get you rolling, man. I want to know, how did you become... Joe fucking Jennings, you know, cause, uh, you obviously at some point you were just little Joey, but you ended up being this badass and, and kind of an icon in the sport. Where did it all start for you?
1: Man, you know, I, I, I think like a lot of people, you know, I went out and tried skydiving and, um, I think for, for some of us, you know, we go and do it and we find it to be a Exciting and exhilarating, but not necessarily something that is, um, that it, it, like transformative, mm. you know. Um, uh, and then there are some of us, I think, who go and do it, and um, just all everything that we sense and everything that we feel about it draws us in, and we realize this is going to be a big part of our lives, sure. Um, uh, so I mean, that's kind of how skydiving happened to me, and then that evolved into you know, living in the back of my truck and packing parachutes and just doing whatever I could to be around the sport. Um, but one of the things that, that I was drawn to, um, and I think what led to becoming a camera flyer was, uh, I was really drawn to not just experiencing the sport, but to recording it so that I could relive it. Sure. And, uh, so I think once I had about eight jumps, um, just, you know, before I was getting off student status, I was already taking a, you know, cassette tape recorder and, and, and duct taping it to my wrist and, and yelling into it, you know, I'm in free fall, you know, (laughs) and (laughs) listening back to it, you know, again and again, like it was just re-experiencing it was, was, it was just one of the things I loved. So I would always carry a, a tape recorder and just scream into it, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so naturally, you know, becoming a, you know, a video ca- camera flyer, I mean, it just, I think it was a natural uh, progression for sure. me. And and uh, I got into it and, and got a job filming students, which I love. Um, and then, you know, it's interesting with, with RW and filming students and whatnot, that all became very straightforward after a certain period of time. It was, it was, it was easy. Sure. It it was easy to film a four way. It was easy to film, uh, students. And it it was, it was so easy that I started to burn out. Mm. Um, but I had heard about freestylists. I had heard about people flying in more three dimensional way and camera flyers talking about how difficult it was to do and, uh, to film. And, I was always curious about it, and then I got an opportunity to uh, try it out when I met Rob Harris.
3: Mm.
2: Was it? Was I just it met the, him
1: by chance.
2: Was it the challenge that drew you yes. in to those uh, to freestyle and sky surfing? Would you say?
1: Yeah, there was kind of a curiosity. Like I was just hearing about these, these, you know hardcore camera flyers who were doing this three-dimensional flying and chasing freestylists. And, and they would talk about like, Whoa, that's really high end. That's difficult. That's, you know, and so then I run into Rob Harris at Paris. And for some reason, there was kind of a serendipity to it. Um, we were, um, we we're just hanging out at Paris. I didn't know him from Adam, but for some reason we just ended up hanging out together and talking and he invited me to go up and jump with him and he was doing freestyle at the time. I was like, great, I'll give it a try, you know. And so we we jump out of the plane and, you know, Omar, you're familiar with this. I mean, you start doing your moves and there's horizontal movement and vertical movement and things are just going all over the place. And absolutely I remember, you know, yeah, and I remember chasing after him and you know, opening my parachute at the end of the jump, kind of exhausted, just breathing heavily. (laughs) Like, what the hell was that? You know?
3: Right.
1: And, um, you know, really feeling like I was kind of like a human jet, like with him in my sight, trying to chase this elusive target. Yeah. And it was like, Oh, wow. Oh yeah. (laughs) This (laughs)
3: is, (laughs)
2: I'm in hook, line and sinker. (laughs) It's funny that you say, though, that uh, what,
0: what drew you into that type of flying was that the rest of it kind of became so mundane almost. And to the people that are listening that just started skydiving, <clears throat> the concept of any skydive being mundane or run-of-the-mill is just so far out there. So it it says a lot about uh, your, uh, your drive to really get into it that you got to the point where that was just, eh, you know.
1: Yeah. I think, I think what, um, what I learned about myself, I didn't know it at the time, but what I learned about myself is that a big part of the thrill is the continuing process of learning
0: Mm. for sure.
1: And, and evolving. Right. I mean, like anything you do is, uh, if you do it enough, you know, you, um, if you're doing the same thing enough, eventually, you know, like really, you know, like, what what you know? What porn star comes home from a hard day of
2: work? <laughs> horny. <laughs> I don't know. Absolutely. So so let me ask let me ask you a question. So here you are, meeting Rob. You're gonna from- have to edit that, aren't you? <laughs> no, no way. No, you're he- just getting into the taste of this podcast. <laughs> here you are. You run into Rob Harris. You go do a freestyle jump with him. How did the sky surf come into play? You know, he he he
1: decided to to start sky surfing. Mm. Um, he and I saw Patrick de Gallardon, Uh The first time we ever heard or knew of him was seeing him uh, sky surf for this Reebok commercial the Reebok that commercial. Uh, was being Absolutely. filmed by. Right. That yeah. Reebok commercial that, um, that uh, Patrick pass mm-hmm. filmed Yep, and they, they were filming over this beautiful lake and the mountains and Patrick is zipping across the sky and it was, it was so visually compelling to me. It it just spoke volumes, you know, about just something that somebody could do on the ground, snowboarding, and suddenly there's this guy in the air doing it. It was, like, hmm. beautiful. And I think Rob felt the same way. Uh, and so Rob's like, I'm going to get into sky surfing. And when, when I was first chasing him in freestyle, I was um, – I was a reasonably good camera flyer. He had a camera flyer at the time, but I think he liked what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just, there there was a part of me that just had a very, very competitive, you know, uh, desire to do well. And so I was chasing him as hard as I possibly could. And I loved it. And I think he appreciated that. And so he invited me to uh, to train with him. And then I think he recognized that I just, you know, first of all, I really liked him, and I liked being around him. He was a very, very nice guy. Good energy. Uh, I also remember him being. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and being around him, he was so cool that cool rubbed off on you a little bit.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> he, he was the ma- he was the Mac Daddy of cool. He really was.
1: He really was, and and so sort of, it was sort of like that being in proximity with him. So I was very drawn to him as a person. Uh, and, and then he decides to get into sky surfing and I was, and, and I was in love with the visuals of it. So I was like, hell yeah, I'm in. And, um, and then, you know, as, as fortune would have it, he was, his talent Hmm. was, uh, his progression and his talent was just extraordinary and uh i got to be you know his wingman i got to be the you know supporting act in a hell of a show
0: i think you're not giving yourself quite Um, enough credit because uh when I watched everything that you guys were doing, I was like everybody else. I was blown away by his insane ability on the board and his charisma on the board because that cool factor and that um nice guy feel came through in the way that he was flying and the expressions on his face. Mm-hmm. But it was the video that appealed to me because it 's what brought him to me. You know I mean, I watched all these amazing developments and For me, especially now, looking back at it 25 years later, I was watching guys that learned to do this one jump at a time. No wind tunnel time, no nothing. You're coming up with moves like the tidy bull in the hole that – blew my fucking mind man i remember watching the outside video of you guys doing that from the x games floored because i was a shit camera flyer at the time trying to get better and watching you casually carving around on your back around him i wasn't just blown away with his ability i was floored by yours as well so you've got to make sure you give yourself the credit because there's two people to that team and you were both fucking amazing
1: absolutely oh thanks yeah i mean it was um uh, you really feel motivated, right? Around mm. somebody who's doing well. And, um, and the, the luck, fortunately for me, Rob was, um, he didn't care if I lost frame, you know, he didn't care if I went up and shot a crappy video and he couldn't see himself. Um, and so he wasn't, I wasn't there as a critiquing tool for him, I was actually part of the team and mm. he wanted to interact with me. So it was like, you know, try this move, you know, and tidy bowl in the hole was, you know, a hundred jumps of me losing him entirely out of frame, <laughs> and, right. you know, 10 seconds of trying to bring it back together. And it's like, he supported that. Mm. So that was uh, uh, a big deal for me. You know, you really, when somebody, when, when you're working with somebody who's really good, it drives you to be really good too, right? Sure. You want to be part of the game. And, and I, I, you know, a camera flyer is 25% of the score. So now I realize like I'm contributing to the score. Um, yeah, I was heavily motivated. And at the time, yeah, my ego was in it 100%. Sure. I want to be the best out there. Like sure. I want to be, I want to win camera flyer of the year. I want all that stuff. Yeah and um i mean in hindsight i know like anybody flying camera for rob you know would have won gold medals i know that and so i felt very you know fortunate to be there but i also felt driven to you know be part of that excitement sure
0: well i mean it came you know? through the the energy and the the um the chemistry between you two really really you could feel it and especially when i'd got to see outside video of you but just watching uh, there's one video that stands yeah. out where at the end of the jump i think one of the signature moves is he would come up and put his hand over your lens yeah and it always blew me away because that really put into perspective there's two fucking people there because it's very easy to forget yeah. that the reason that video is there is because it's strapped to somebody's head. And as soon as he came up and put his hand over your lens, you're like, wow, that's a fucking team right there. It's an acknowledgement, you know, <laughs> and it just sticks yeah, out, in my you mind. know,
1: and, and I think that's a big part of what opened up Hollywood mm. oh, uh, yeah. for both of us at the time, you know, because I think that producers and um, people in the production and skydiving community saw this and You know, at the time, you know, Omar, you probably remember, like, everything was extreme. It was like Mm -hmm. extreme telephone, extreme Extreme sunglasses, extreme soda, extreme car, you know, I mean, like, and so (laughs) extreme was like, and so, you know, it was like the opportunities just busted open, Mm. you know, for both of us. You know, Rob is a performer and me as a camera flyer. And man, it was like we just rode that wave.
0: I mean, that at least from specifically for my generation, what brought uh, skydiving into the mainstream was absolutely sky surfing in the X Games. I mean, you guys were the first the first to ever put it in people's faces in such an amazing way. And I mean, that was a huge draw for people like me um and you know then obviously all the work that you pioneered basically you guys were starting you know you're the tip of the spear for a lot of the shit that has gone down in the last 25 years
1: I think yeah I think we I think we played a significant part mm. you know I, I I really do um it's interesting you know that sky surfing it was um you know it was exciting and it drew a lot of attention at the time but I think it I think it opened people's eyes to like just the skill level it took to do um um you know free flying and freestyle and 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 wingsuit flying and all the other things that are now kind of looked at you know like for example when 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 i when the doors opened for us in hollywood what i realized pretty quickly and what actually got me in a fair amount of trouble in the stunt community was back then you know, Omar, you remember this. Absolutely. Um, I, know,
2: I know where you're going.
1: Whenever there was. Oh, yeah. Whenever there was a movie or a commercial that needed the producers needed uh, skydiving filmed. It was OK. Well, yeah, you, you filmed great, but we need to bring in the stunt men, <laughs> you know, um, the established stunt people in the Screen Actors Guild who um, they not only know how to skydive, but they're they're, you know, they know what to do on camera cuz they're experienced and so on and so forth and um I had been running around the world uh with, you know, people like Omar and Olav and Rob and all of these trained flyers, you know, Arizona Airspeed, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and seeing the talent out there and, you know, some of my first jobs I was up with stunt people and I felt like I was just kind of looking at people who were a little bit glazed over and not quite there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> we just weren't, you know, it just wasn't resonating. It didn't feel right. Sure. So pretty soon I was bringing in people that I knew, um, you know, Omar, you, Greg, uh, Rob, um, you know, unfortunately I wasn't able to do it with Rob for too long, but, I knew pretty well, like, wow, there's real talent out there. I've been, I traveled around the world with these people. I know who they are. I want to bring them in. That was a big no, no because then you're getting people their SAG card and the stunt people who are already in SAG are like, what in the hell are you doing? Mm -hmm. And so I was read the riot act a number of times, you know,
2: um, and unfortunately, and, um, that's what bit you in the ass and yeah. and the Hollywood community. I it mean, really did you still were able to do quite a lot yeah. of work, but it became very difficult. A lot of people decided to put that black tape or that red tape, excuse me, and just kind of blackball you.
0: That doesn't make any fucking sense to me because yeah. I mean sure. th- it I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm being too logical in this world, but don't you want the best for the job?
2: You, you would think that you would, but it was all about, you know, they wanted to keep their jobs and d- job security. And the stuntmen, who were stuntmen themselves and just so happened to be skydivers, were oh. like, no, no, this work should come to me. And why is Joe bringing all these world champions and these top flyers to take our jobs away from us? <laughs> you
0: pretty much just said it right there. Oh, man. That's, I mean, I hate to say it. It's not that it, does, it doesn't surprise good. me. It mm-hmm. just sucks. because oh, 100%. 100%. You want the best for the fucking job.
1: You know, the thing is, like, today, it's it's understood, right? Uh, one of the arguments I used to make all the time is, like, if you're going to film, like, this epic surfing scene in a movie, are you going to bring in the stuntmen? Nope. Or are you going to get...
3: Laird Hamilton. ...later and yeah, these guys, right? Sure.
1: Yeah, and it was, like, a no-brainer. Get the people who have trained, right? Not a stunt person who knows how to surf. Mm, yep. And, um, but, so... I remember, you know, that was an argument that I was making. Um, today, I think it's it's a given.
2: Now it's standard you know? practice. You're always ahead you of just, the curve. You're before your time. Well, Joe. at the time, <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, and, and I and I paid a big price. I mean, to this day it's interesting, you know, I'm, I'm trying now that I'm, that now that I'm coming back enthusiastically into, you know, like, I'm like, I'm done with that midlife crisis. Right. And, and like, I'm ready to re-engage. I'm, I'm actually starting to reach out again to the skunk community because, you know, um, and it's funny. I posted a couple of things, you know, Hey, I'm doing this project and so on and so forth. And, you know, my post was taken down and I'm like, Oh man, who did that? You know? And I'm realizing that, like some of, yeah, some of those old feelings are still there. I was oh, yeah. the bad guy, you know, and, oh, no. um, I was very defiant at the time, you know, there was a part of me that was just flipping them the middle bird too, you know, sure, because sure. after a while I was like, no, this is how I'm going to do it, you know, and fuck you. You know, I was just <laughs> that they were blackballing me. And so to this day is still some resentment, you know? And so what I'm trying to do is just reach out and say, Hey guys, you know, I'm, I'm back, and you know I'm I'm, I'm ready to move on. Sure.
0: Actually, you know. I want to ask you a quick question because we talked about this briefly before the podcast, and this it, the topic has come up now and then, and it always cracks me up. And you you kind of define how weird Scott Ivers can be because your midlife crisis <laughs> was to go become a normal person correct right so and and you you even had a website and all this please you got to briefly tell everybody what a skydiver's midlife crisis a champion skydiver's midlife crisis sounds like
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know honestly i i think it's when i turned 50 right so i'm 58 now um i think it's when i turned 50 um this narrative started playing in my head that um, I am now getting too old for this. Um, I, I live in a relatively affluent neighborhood and some of my neighbors are very successful business people and so on. And, you know, I would always have this conversation. Oh, you're still doing that. Really? <laughs> you no. Know? And then there was that part of myself, you know, like kind of saying, yeah, I, I am. I may, maybe I shouldn't be, you know, I am kind of getting old here and, So, um, I think that played louder and louder and louder. And honestly, that was a, it was, it was kind of a painful period for me because I knew I loved it, but Mm -hmm. I was telling myself it's over, you know, and, um, and that all culminated into me, you know, deciding to get into the solar business. I knew some people who were killing it in solar and they were ready to support me and and I was just like, okay, I'm going to learn about this. I get my contractor's license. I'll do this. I'll start this business. And I got that whole process started. And then I announced it like, hey, I'm solar guy now. And I'm in <laughs> and this is my business. And I started doing it. <laughs> and.
2: How long did that last?
1: <laughs> it killed me, man. It It's like I started doing it and I started, you know, going to visit people, measure their houses, trying to sell them a system, talk about it. And it like literally just, there was zero excitement. It was, it was, I was, I was so bored, it hurt. And so that was hard for me. You know, all of this it's funny thinking about it now, but at the time it was painful. Sure, like absolutely. I can't do anything. I'm worthless, you know, <laughs> like, like can't I do a normal job? Right. You know?
2: And it's so great. And when- then and then you know something.
1: Go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh,
2: no, I was going to say, it's so great for someone with the history of Joe Jennings, with all the accolades, all the prizes, all the awards, all the freaking gold medals, all the Hollywood shows commercials yeah. that says, I'm worthless, I haven't done anything, what yeah. am I going to do? Yeah, okay.
0: no shit. Meanwhile, I'm rolling through 25 <laughs> years of the sport and 51 and still doing this shit. And if Joe
2: Jennings fucking, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm I, I'm sorry, bro. I, I swear to God, I'm laughing with you, not at you. <laughs> That's fucking
0: fantastic. Oh, I
2: get it. Dude, if, I, I totally a show, get
0: it. If, if Joe Jennings had showed up to put fucking solar panels on my house, <laughs> I would have just left the country. Like, no, it's all gone to shit now. <laughs> it's over. Because the way that I see it, it's kind of funny. As you say, you know, people would ask you, you're still skydiving, co- almost like looking down at you. What I hear is people were trying to drag you back into the shit with them. The old saying, misery, love, company. I I think they were just fucking jealous because that's what I'd be thinking. At 50, this guy is still doing what he loves. Holy shit. We got to make this guy miserable. (laughs) Do do you remember when you had. Yeah. So, so
1: we're going to tell him, oh, Joe, that's great. You're still doing that. It's so cute. (laughs) And I'm hearing that like. Sure. Oh, you're. You know.
2: Now, do do you remember when you had that aha moment and say, fuck this? What am I doing?
1: I, I don't remember exactly I just remember um, I just started feeling my heart opening up um, honestly psychedelics
0: nice okay
1: <laughs> nice <laughs> awesome um, I'm a fan like I I, I got into it um, believe it or not with my son Joey awesome <laughs> nice. Um uh, Joey is uh, you know, he's into it and he introduced me to it. He actually talked me through a few times when I would get a little spooked on it. Sure. Right. You know, start having like a little bad trip and he'd be like, It's all right, Dad, come on, let's watch a funny cartoon, you know, and like <laughs> he was like really good, kind of like a guide, you know. And so um I found myself uh um doing, you know, mushrooms and and, and um other things on a pretty regular basis and uh uh, I think that just opened it. It it helped me open up to like what uh, what I am, and it kind of helped me to accept my strengths True. and my my weaknesses. Uh, and uh, and then also to just begin to feel my enthusiasm again for mm-hmm. what I do, what I what I what I love to do.
2: That's well, good. Go well. Here's the thing. We're as skydivers, we're passion driven, and here you try to go, you try to put aside that passion and try to use your brain and say, okay, this is what society is telling me I should do. This is what how I should look at my future. No, it's just that simple. And sometimes it's the psychedelics that can put that back into perspective and telling us, you you are passion driven and you have to give in to that passion. Sure, absolutely. Well, I mean, every I suppose everybody's
0: true, to deal Omar, with that at one and I used to really. Go ahead. Please go ahead.
1: Well, what I used to envy about like you and Rob and, you know, people who could smoke pot and, and, and who could, you know, and who could go to that alternate perspective. You know, Uh I think what, you know, what marijuana and what psychedelics and things like that give us is a chance to see the world from a different perspective. Mm. I think that's what draws some people it can also be scary right you you go into that alternate perspective and it can scare the crap out of you and i think that um that learning to manage that then it opens that door so you're not just i i think being straight and natural and all of that is important and good mm-hmm. right but i also see a real value in being able to kind of see things from another perspective. Sure.
2: Wonderful.
0: Well, and if you think about it, there's a huge you parallel know? to um, the stuff that you're uh, describing with psychedelics and skydiving, right? It's a one-way trip. You step off that aircraft, you swallow those mushrooms, there's one way, and that's to go through, not back. You know, So you have to learn to – that fear kicks in, whether it's on a jump or a big bag of mushrooms, you at some point have to realize – all right, fuck, I'm here. There's I no turning to, back. I have to deal with this. I'm going to come out of this one way or the other. And it's a huge mm-hmm. growing experience because uh, I've had to deal with fear. Yeah, there's
1: a surrender to it.
0: Oh, yeah, man. And, and being able to deal with that fear, to feel that kind of fear, whether it's, you know, psychedelically induced or, or j- jumping out of an airplane, to feel that fear and to deal with it and do it anyway and come out the backside, you're never going to be anything but stronger. Which is fantastic, dude. I agree. Hats off. I agree. And the fact and like that I was you're saying,
1: you know, Omar like Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just saying, like, what I envied about like Omar and Rob Harris and, and people who could at the time they could smoke pot. Like if I smoked pot, I would just get freaked out. <laughs> yeah. I just wasn't ready, you know? Um, but um I admired that they could they could function on it. Like, Oh my God, they can go to this, you know, alternate perspective and still function beautifully on it. You know, whereas I would go there and it'd just be like, wow, the floor, (laughs) you know, like I just would be like looking at, you know, like a bug or something. I like, um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that there, there are some, there are some real, you know, there are some real, Parallels. You know, skydiving is a real surrender, isn't it?
0: Sure. 100%. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: <clears throat> so, Joe, let me, let me go back a little bit. You and I met pretty much, I believe was 1994 before the SSI Pro Tour in Eloy, Arizona, where you and Rob took the gold medal, correct? <clears throat> now, from that point, did you know exactly what was going to happen between you and him? Did you know that it was going to take off the way it did?
1: You mean before the 94 world meet?
2: No, no. After, after, the, after having won the gold medal in 94, did you know that you guys, that Rob was going to become the Rob that we all know and love and that was going to succeed and just obliterate everyone else? And by far, I mean, the guy back then, even in, in 95, 96, was doing moves, uh, 94, 95, was doing moves that today people can still are having a hard time emulating.
1: It's like I knew something was happening.
2: I didn't know what it was going to be, but I knew,
1: like, okay, this is, this is a wave. There's a momentum here. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I remember in realizing a couple of things. One is that, wow, this is huge. And something in my mind began to realize, okay, there's, there's real opportunities here opening up. And so a part of me was smart enough to know, like, all right, I'm going to really try to take advantage of this, prepare myself so I can understand film and so on. Mm -hmm. So that if I'm if I'm asked about um, doing a job, I'll I'll know what to do now. Um, So I became really in film, which you saw in Malaysia when I was smacking my camera with a hammer <laughs> <laughs> but,
2: I, th- uh, I still tell that story <laughs> that and absolutely i still <laughs> tell people that story and i and i want you to tell us that when we get to it uh, you know what might as well say it now tell, th- what was going on we're, we 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 <laughs> were over we were in a military transport plane on our way to exit we were doing a bollywood production movie dawn with shahrukh khan and uh take it from there
1: okay all right terrific um but I, I will say, you know, like after we had this momentum, I, I'm just going to backtrack a little yeah, bit. Yeah, on Mark, sure, that's okay. Sure. No, oh, absolutely. Um, because the you floor know, is yours. I, I, you know, when, when, when we won the 94 world meet, like when we walked on to skydive Arizona, we wanted nothing more than just to, to, um, to qualify for the X games right. the following year. Right. And, um, we didn't know we were going to win, you know, and then suddenly we win. And it's interesting when, and, and you've been there, Omar, plenty of times where you win a competition and, you know, suddenly the eyes turn around and they're on you. Like okay. this attention happens, you know? Yep. And of course, when I was training, there was nothing, I wanted nothing more in the world than that. And then when it happened, I couldn't have been more uncomfortable, you know? But luckily Rob was, you know, he was, he was like, like, fluid and graceful with it. And I kind of was able to copy him a little bit to try to act like I was comfortable with it. But, um, I was not at all comfortable with being an insider. I was much more comfortable with being a kid with ADD who was an outsider, you know? Um, and, uh, so, uh, I, I, you know, I learned a lot from that, but it was, it was difficult. Um, but then, you know, of course that led to all this cool Hollywood stuff. And it led to Bollywood, right? Which mm-hmm. you know, which got us hooked up with this job in India. Um, well, well, I'm sorry. And, and so, sorry to cut you off. With
2: Khan. Sorry to cut you off. But right, yes, bef- right, right before you get into that, tell us about how you got your film camera, <clears throat> your 16 millimeter camera.
1: Oh gosh, yeah. So I decided I'm going to learn film, right? Because I'm like, okay, there's we're getting all this attention, and um, so there's an opportunity here, so I need to learn film. And so, um, I ended up reaching out to Jean Banish, who was Carl Banish's mm-hmm. wife and Carl Banish is, is that's what you're thinking, Omar, yeah. right? Am I going down what hundred percent thinking about? Absolutely. You know, Carl Banish was, you know, the, and, and icon, uh, in, in the skydiving and film community i mean he was really one of the the great great pioneers who came before tom sanders and norman kent uh and you know tom sanders and norman kent to me were they were gods i I remember they'd come to the drop zone you know at paris valley where i was jumping and and i was so awestruck by them that i could not speak to them i would just <laughs> stare at them like,
2: gawking
1: and as soon as their eyes would turn towards me i'd turn away like i ain't looking i'm cool <laughs> <You know? laughs> right yeah so i was just that guy who couldn't even you know couldn't even bring myself to speak with them but Jean banish was um uh you know she was just so just i don't know easy to, I don't know, just easy to be around and just, she was kind of you know, a little nerdy and just really super into the technology of film cameras and so on. And I remember um, speaking with her and talking about getting into the film and she brought me in and we looked at all his old cameras and we talked about refurbishing them and getting them running. And she's teaching me all these little things. And, um, she, she was so smart that I didn't understand, you know, 80% of what she was saying, but she taught me a lot and set me up with Carl Banish's old cameras nice. and, and we, you know, got those cameras going. I had them modified, uh, and I shot most of my career on Carl Banish's old cameras. And, uh, then when I was done and we, and everything went to digital, um, I, packed up those cameras and his old helmet and all the stuff that I had. And I and I, I sent it to the skydiving museum. So they have all that stuff now.
2: Nice. And if I'm not mistaken, those cameras were actually World War II airplane cameras, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So those were already old cameras when Carl got them. Right. And then Carl modified them for his purposes. Um, and he filmed you know, movies like the Iceman and, 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 and I mean, I'm, I'm pulling a blank, but he filmed a lot of the great old skydiving movies with those cameras. So that by the time I got it, it's like those cameras were, they were really great film cameras, but they needed to be (laughs) modified again, because super 35 and we have a different little things are a little, technically a little different. So they had to be modified, but, um, but not by much. You know? Fuck
0: me. And I was bitching because I had to start shooting with high eight. <laughs> yeah, and, you're, there you go. and you're flying around with the World War Two cameras on your head. <laughs> Jesus
2: Christ. I'm a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know what, Joe? That's a perfect segue to take us now all the way to Malaysia and the Shah Rukh Khan movie. Yes. Because now, now we got a visual of the cameras <laughs> that you're using. <laughs>
1: yeah, this is. Well, this this is a good story, and it's a good reflection of how much I respected the fact that those were
2: Carl's cameras. <laughs> you know, uh, sorry, I can't stop laughing because I know the outcome,
1: yeah, <laughs> dude. Selling man, crazy when I think back on it. Um, I think I think so. We were filming this uh, movie with Shout, you know, Khan was starring in it. The movie's called Dawn. It's this big you know, Hollywood blockbuster Bollywood. hit. <laughs> um, Shah Rukh Khan is, I'm sorry, Bollywood. And, you know, Shah Rukh Khan is, is bigger than Tom Cruise. Mm. Tom Cruise is a big deal, but Shah Rukh Khan, uh, in the world stage, you know, oh, yeah. is, is, is a big deal.
2: Much bigger. Fan so base. this was a
1: great production and bigger fan base. That's, that's what I'm yeah getting at.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and, um, so uh, uh, Omar and I uh, and Greg Gasson go off to Malaysia and Omar is doubling the hero of the movie, Charu Khan, and Greg is doubling and playing uh, the role of, a, of, of this bad guy who just wants to kill Omar, just <laughs> wants nothing more than just to kill Omar, right? and Greg played it beautifully. My god, I mean it's like he he went into character and he just looked evil, right?
2: Amazing. Amazing um, transformation. Cuz Greg, I mean, I don't know yeah, much, it was I don't incredible. Know, I don't know how, how well or if whether you know him or not, uh, Dean, but Greg is the sweetest nicest sure. guy that couldn't kill a fly even if he tried. <laughs> but it's
0: those are the ones that can yeah. step into someone else's <laughs> shoes cuz they've been watching the whole time. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he's like one of those guys where like he got into his ro- he got into the role of what he was playing and you start to feel like wow, I wonder if he's going to kill me one day, <laughs> you know. It's like I never saw that side of him, you know. So he played it incredibly well and we had this um we I mean it was really an incredible shoot, you know. We went to Malaysia and we went out to this airport kind of in this small town in the middle of Malaysia and we were staying in Kuala Lumpur and Um, and it was just this remarkable, beautiful experience. Uh, one of the things that happened was that we were, we were on a flight, uh, on our way to do a jump and I needed to switch lenses. There was something that, you know, a a lens had to be changed. And I, I, I get this call, I think via radio, somehow they contacted the pilots and I get this message, you have to shoot this lens. And I'm like, okay, great. You know, well, it was very warm on the ground all the time there, and but up in the airplane, it was cooler. And for whatever reason, the lens that I had in there got stuck, and it would not come out. <laughs> I could not get it to come out, and I'm trying to pull it out, I'm tr- and I get it halfway out. So now it's out to the point where I can't shoot with it because it will not focus, so I can't keep it in. And I now I can't take it out. And, and by the, I'm monkeying around with it, you
2: and, know. And sorry. And by the way, we're yes. on we're on jump run, and <laughs> the light goes green to exit. Awesome, awesome.
1: <laughs> Dude, I mean that whole trip was crazy, right? We, we well, well, well we're
2: we're, get, we're gonna get to the other uh, stories, but go ahead and I'll let you finish this one.
1: <laughs> well, so um, I just get pissed. At that point, I'm just like suddenly I'm just pissed. And I'm s i am I start smacking the damn thing. I'm just like hitting the lens. Bam, 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 bam. Like, you know, you motherfucker break out, you know? And and Omar and Greg are looking at me and I just see them slack cod right? They mouths are open, eyes are wide open, looking at me like he's losing it, you know. <laughs> I mean everything. And, everything. You know,
2: every, faces. Everything you hear about glass, you know, it's it's, a, it's the precious glass, the sure. lenses, and these cameras, and so on. And here he is whacking the shit out of them. <laughs> awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just smacking it. You know, it, it's funny because that's that's like. Um, so I'm I'm whacking away at this. And Omar and Gregor looking at me like, all right. So Joe's kind of lost his mind right now. And but you know, luckily the lens came out, and I got the other lens in, and we went, and it so it worked
2: out. And he got the um, shot, of course. I don't know. Was
1: that the flight? Was that the flight, Omar? Where um, they they were spotting us over bat- like a jungle somewhere? No,
2: and- nah, that was that was a different one. The the other one was, I think, the one before that. Okay. Okay. Hmm.
1: Yeah. So I managed to get it. I managed to get it on. It's funny cause it's, it's an ongoing thing between Greg and me because Greg gets beautiful care of his equipment. <laughs> I remember we were, we were, uh, filming and with, with you in the, in the Middle East. And, um, I was, uh, uh, at my, one of my battery chargers just blew up and filled a room with smoke, you know, and, <laughs> and, and Greg thought it was over and I pulled the thing apart and looked at it and plugged it back in the wall and zap, it started working again. I was like, voila, it's great, let's go. And Greg was like, my God, you know, you work with you work with trash. you know? <laughs> like, you just put anything on your helmet. You
2: know? <laughs> he's, the, uh, he's the MacGyver. Uh, <laughs> Joe's always been the MacGyver of cinemat- aerial cinematography.
0: I mean, uh, yeah, I'm trying to wrap my head around the... Remember-
1: Omar, oh, there's always zip ties and
2: duct tape, right? 100% zip, zip, tape. zip ties tape. and duct tape.
0: I mean, I'm trying to wrap my head around the World War II cameras, but then it dawns on me that I started watching you when you were doing the air to ground and you had that massive transmitter on the front of your head. I mean, and we actually talked a while back just briefly in a couple of messages, and you said um, physically, like, your neck and everything is fine. How the hell did you manage to keep in relatively, you know, in one piece when you're strapping all this massive equipment to your head for all those years?
1: You know, I, I, I think that, uh, there is some genetics involved. Mm. Um, both my mom and dad, uh, in all the way up into their eighties, neither had ever pulled their back or Mm. their necks. No. Um, and, so I think I was lucky in that regard. I know that, um, a, a lot of people who I jumped with who were, you know, far bigger and stronger and more physically fit than me, um, you know, JC J- Cole right. That guy is like a, a human specimen as far as just like his strength and his, his, uh, his physical fitness and everything. And we put a red on his head for one jump in Dubai uh, I'm sorry. We, we put a red on his head for one jump <laughs> in the Middle East and, uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> he came down, you know, from that jump and he was just like, I'm done, I'm yep. Out. Yep. you know, because we all have, if you think of how many small tendons are going up to, to, to control our head and its movement and moving around, it's like any one of those could be pulled and you could be in a lot of pain
3: sure.
1: and, um, And uh, uh, mine just held up,
0: man. I mean, uh, I I can't tell you Craig O'Brien
1: and I talk about this all the time, you know, because Craig O'Brien was lucky that way, too. I mean, he can carry a lot of weight and he's fine. And Norman can't. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Norman is what, you know, 60 something. I, he carries I, more than all of us.
0: I can't tell you the level of jealousy that I hold um I'm what two rounds into epidural spinal fucking shots and all kinds of crazy shit from slip discs and all this no crap. Way. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Dude, I I mean in that respect, I kind of Camera? Yeah. I mean in that respect I kind of fucking hate you. I'm not going to lie, you know, and again, the heaviest I ever strapped on my head was a high eight. And uh, yeah, I'm uh, my, uh, my doctor took one look at my, uh, my uh, uh, scans and everything. And was like, my father has better neck than you. So joy. Yeah. You definitely got the genetic lottery on that one. So good for you.
1: (laughs) Dude. Is that, is that crazy? I mean, it, it, it's really a trip. Yeah, man. So yeah, that's, it's genetics. I really do. Because again, people a lot more physically fit than me were, you know, just, you know, can't do it. Um, it does bring, you know, another, another quick story, right? So I have like 14,000 jumps and, um, two, you know, one airplane crash that was gnarly right into eucalyptus trees and a helicopter crash where (laughs) the entire helicopter was pulled in apart and and I walked away from it. And there, there was part of me, like I, I felt like a roach, right? Like you just can't <laughs> stomp me out. Right. right? Like I just walk away from these things. And, um, and then about a year ago, I'm climbing up a ladder under my neighbor's roof. And I have like the, the ultimate mis- and you know, a 14,000 skydives and a twisted ankle. That's it. That's the extent of my injuries other than like cuts and bruises that we all get all the time. Sure. But, and Then I fly off a ladder, knock myself out, end up hospitalized <laughs> in full traction, CAT scans, all that stuff. Jesus Christ. Isn't that a trip? I mean Crazy. like it's because you were trying I, to be a I normal went, person. I was trying to be a normal person and the ladder collapsed and, and and I wake up, you know, in my in my in Joey's arms. I'm bleeding all over the place because I basically I basically fell down and I hit this concrete stare it hit the front of my face twisted my neck and hit the back of my head and knocked me out i don't remember any of it but um they take me in traction to the hospital and they run all these scans on me and they're not seeing anything but based on the injuries to my face and my head they they were like no you you something had to give (laughs) you know something has to be broken they send me in again <laughs> go through the whole machine, take no. another look, you know, and they come back, and the doctor's just like,
2: nothing. You're this
1: is weird.
0: You're Bruce Willis you know? from that fucking movie Unbreakable. <laughs> well, you don't he, know it, but you're actually a superhero.
2: But, you, but he is, you have to understand. His nickname is the go ahead, tell him bald head. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, bald headed action figure. See.
2: <laughs> There you go. He's always been that. I like it. Absolutely. I like and it. He just, he just proved it Well, th- realizing that he was a passionate skydiver See, that's... and not someone putting solar panels on a roof. It's funny Isn't that, that
0: the only time you've injured yourself is in the middle of trying to you know, fit into all the bullshit, and now that you're <laughs> back to jumping out of airplanes, you're nice and safe again. How fucking weird is that?
1: How awesome. I- Well, I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. (laughs) Well,
0: so I got to ask, you know, I mean, you've had such a uh, kind of a blessed career in regard to injuries and all that stuff. But it's so hit and miss with skydiving because, I mean, well, so you made your first jump in what year?
1: I'm going to say like 83,
0: 84. I mean, so you're talking more than 30 years of skydiving um with very little as far as injury to go but in 30 plus years of skydiving you've seen way more I'm sure than your fair share of injuries and fatalities and I mean does it seem kind of random after all these years have you ever seen a pattern is there anything that you know kind of aims you towards the real risky shit or not. Cause I mean, you pushed the envelope big time a lot in the sport and here you are, you know, at 58 years old shooting the shit and healthy as hell and, and back to jumping. But there's people that, you know, had to stop jumping almost right away cause they fucked themselves up or of course all the fatalities that we have over the years. I mean, have you, have you seen any rhyme or reason in it?
1: I think one of the things that, that, that I, I discovered was that, um, you know, none, none of us are immune, Mm. like some of, some of the best of the best, the people who we felt like were indestructible, um, you know, uh, you realize that, you know, in some ways we're, you know, we're still doing this by the grace of God, right? I'm, I'm going to guess that both of you can, probably share this with me that statistically you probably shouldn't be here, sure, right? Absolutely. How many bullets have each of us dodged? Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, I've recognized that. And I think I've, I've kind of learned to become grateful mm. that, you know, that, 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 um, that I'm still here and helping and able to do this. Sure. I've kind of learned that, um, You know, and I've also I've also learned that that in my career, because I I I really I like to do kind of crazy stuff. Right. I love I love the fluid dynamics of trying to make something fly. (laughs) But I also really love just crashing stuff into the desk and cleaning it up. you know? (laughs)
3: Right.
1: And we do you know, we do all this crazy stuff. And I and I realized partway through that that, you know, my entire career has been I I walk this fine line between doing really cool things Or winning a Darwin Award.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast brought to you as always by, well, wait, not as always, actually. Brought to you now by Gyro. Formerly known as Enziero Sports, you'll head to gyro.com for their next level line of canopies. By Pussfoot, the extreme sports collective. Head over to pussfoot.com to check it out. By Summit Parachute Systems, check out summitparachutesystems.com to talk to Jarrett Martin and the gang about kick-ass pilot rigs, rigging courses, and more. By FlyAway Indoor Skydiving, go to flyawaytn.com and check out all the cutting-edge stuff to come. By Pure Spectrum CBD, head to purespectrumcbd.com to check out their wide range of CBD products. And as for us, head to the lunaticfringepodcast.com to listen to any of the hundreds of episodes currently available, hit the link for our YouTube channel, pick up your copy of the Lunatic Fringe book or The Accidental Stripper, and get a sneak peek at upcoming guests. Once again, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.